0: Right, right, I'm not sure why that's not playing, but we'll try and see what's going on there. Uh, let's talk trending topics now. It's 10 minutes past four.
1: Trending news right now.
0: We take a look at what's happened in social media. That's in the last 72 hours, and uh, we're starting the new week. So uh, we have to look at what's happened over the weekend. Atla Ramulefe has that daunting task, as <laughs> social commentator. You always get the most. Atli, how are you That's this morning?
1: You. I'm working tomorrow,
0: that? <laughs> Good, because weekends are so eventful. There's always so much to That's talk you. about. But you handle it very well. That's why we love you. Let's let's talk. Well, first of all, like I'm saying, there's so much that happened over the weekend. Even a Colombian drug lord was captured. Hey, We've got documentaries that are co- probably going to come up now and pop all over the place. I mean, this arrest of uh, Diaro Antonio Ushuga, is uh, likened to that of Pablo Escobar in 1993. How dramatic?
1: It really is dramatic because if we can match you to Pablo Escobar, then that means you are definitely the drug lord. That's
0: Absolutely. And, and he needed yeah. to be captured. I mean, he's killed police under his leadership in his gang. There's been sexual abuse claims against uh, of teenagers against him. Obviously, the shipment of cocaine also into the U.S. He's done quite a lot of things he needed mm-hmm. to be captured. He Let's talk uh, Nando's uh, hashtag uh, Nando's chicken franchise is cutting ties with a show called The Burning Platform. uh, And this is presented by Gareth Cliff. So this is on cliffcentral.com. What's happening here?
1: Um, So there was a debate between um, uh, uh, Gareth Cliff and as well as the leader of the DA and um, and as well as uh, some... uh, black woman there and then they were having a conversation and they were dropping racial um it's like they were just like being very um racist during that conversation and not even allowing um a person a black person to speak um so to say and the fact that they were trying to um to like downplay the fact that there's racism in south africa and that affects a lot of things more specifically like elections um so, Nandos was supporting that particular platform. Um, but the moment when there was an outbreak on Twitter, people complaining about both um, uh, both white men and talking about how they are in position of power, but they're also downplaying racism, um, then that's when Nandos decided to pull out because they didn't want to be attached to um, the same platform that they were supporting with um, racist individuals.
0: So, so it was, I mean, obviously we're coming to elections next week and these uh, e- debates are going to be taking place. They've been already. There's quite a few of them. But this particular one you're saying was between the DA, uh, the DA leader John Steenhuisen, and uh, Muzuli Rakibani, who is from the One South Africa Movement. That's the black lady. And then Gareth Cliff was the presenter. Was it both the DA leader John Steenhuisen and Gareth Cliff who were dismissing what she was speaking about on racism?
1: Um, they were dismissing what she was speaking about in racism. They're basically downplaying it and also more like saying that we should not blame any everything on racism, that it's not um, a, a racial society. So um, it's, it's, it's more like someone in position of power who's also benefiting from that system, basically saying that it's not our problem, it's not racism, the fact that like things are happening the way that they are um, and that we should probably try and, you know, move it to something else because it's definitely not about race.
0: Where did the topic begin, I'm, I'm
1: wondering? Do you know? Um, no, so I think it it's not because even the outcry from social media wasn't more... I think it was more specifically about the fact that um, someone is not given a platform and especially someone from a minority group is not necessarily given a platform to also speak and also voice out her own opinions. It was literally just like the two constantly downplaying it the whole time from at the beginning of the conversation. Because already, even on the basis of um, how the platform was set up, you could already tell that like something problematic is going to be said here.
0: So Nando's then has since come out and saying that they are of the view that Gareth Cliff, the presenter of the show, failed to create an environment where free speech was possible. So then it would be Twitter then that prompted Nando's, would you say? Or what what prompted this action from Nando's withdrawing sponsorship?
1: It definitely is Twitter because um, you know that they always, especially as a huge uh, company, they also want to be on the right side of the history. So they pulled out because um, a lot of people on social media were complaining and because everyone was now attaching um, the sentiments that Garrett Cliff has to. Um, Nando's, which was the band supporting the show itself. But had they not pulled out, then they would have also been attached as a company that does support racism. Mm. So Nando's also urging
0: Gareth Cliff and the cliffcentral.com team to address this issue with the audience. Does it matter now uh, to suggest anything from Nando's since they've already terminated the sponsorship? Will they return under this condition being met?
1: Um, I think that it doesn't matter at the moment because everyone for the lo- like lo- a long time ago had already cancelled Gareth's gift. And the fact that he's consistently been given platforms, that's what makes people angry. So even if they do make those suggestions, I think it's, no- it's not going to help in any way. It's just part of procedure. But it's not really going to do much in terms of trying to change um, the perceptions of society.
0: And it's an entire five-year-long sponsorship, yeah. eh? They were really... Helping out with that show, I wonder what's going to happen to it now. But uh, I mean, l- let's come back to the sentiments that I guess a lot of tweeps are holding—that you know, the, isp- the experience of um, the one one South Africa movement member wa- was not uh, validated. I mean, she was speaking of a personal experience and saying that it's completely anecdotal and unimportant. to to, to people I mean that is the the response of what Cliff was saying after she said um, you know the the experience that she's had and the type of racism that she experiences uh, is on a daily basis and quoting that how can her daily experiences be invalidated I mean if we're talking politics what is a politician if not the voice of the people that it seeks to represent and how will they be this voice if they are out of touch with the day to day and realistic experiences of, of those people
1: um, that's true. It's more like not uh, giving someone the opportunity to also, you know, self-actualize, like someone uh, to be able to, to tell their story in a way that it's genuine and in, in a way that it makes sense to them, in a way that um, it's actually the sequence of events in their lives. So because what they were basically doing, it's like someone in position of power really trying to tell you how... Um, About your lived experiences. So it's not like this person has gone through similar experiences, but they think that they are in a better off position to be able to tell you about your own experiences, which to me was very incredibly racist, but more than anything, um, someone invalidating your own experiences, it's more like someone telling you that that's literally not how things happened. Um, And Mm -hmm. I think that's more like someone just lied to you and also, some are not affording you the platform to self-actualize. And I think politics itself is about allowing different opinions, allowing people from um, different p- positions to be able to speak about their own experiences. And I think that she was denied the opportunity to do that, which is very bad, to be honest, and especially mm. on the public platform.
0: And the the response of the DA Hazen when he was reached for comment, he said it's got nothing to do with him. This is between Cliff and Nando's, what do you make of that?
1: Um, I think that he was also actively distancing himself when he saw that things were getting uh, serious, and the fact that um, not a lot of people were happy about how the engagement happened, went, uh, how the engagement happened between the three of them. Um, so I think that um, he was also problematic because we can't say that he cannot now want to actively distance himself because he was—he's also part of the problem and is contributing to the problem, and he continues to contribute to the problem even outside of the show in his own party. So he can not actively defend himself in in that way.
0: Can we lord Nandos, though, for taking action on this matter? Because they seem to be quite active uh, when it comes to matters of public concern. Back in 2015, Nandos withdrew sponsorship uh, with Oldham Athletic uh, football team uh, or group in... uh, in the UK it was. And this was because they were t- about to sign a football striker there in the UK by the name of Chad Evans. So Chad Evans had been convicted of rape in April of 2012 and served half of a five-year sentence. And they said, we don't want anything to do with you guys if you're going to sign a convicted rapist. So can we lord Nando's? Um, no, I think I'm not going to do
1: that because it's with... Uh, MNC, like, multi, like multinational corporations or corporates in, just in general, or those big franchises, I think they know when they sign a deal with someone about like how they are. I think even five years ago, Derek Cliff was still the same person, even two years ago, even a year ago. So I think when they opt into it, they already know the kind of person that they are and they know the kind of show that they're supporting. So the moment they pull out even five years later, when something big happens, I think it doesn't also change the fact that when they decided on that, they knew exactly what they were getting themselves into. So I think that it's nothing new. It's just one of those things where when such things happen, they just have to pull out, and that's it. So I think being active or what they are now currently doing, I think it doesn't change anything about them also, just as a franchise. I think that's what they do most of the time.
0: All right, let's talk hashtag SAA or oh, SA Piano Awards rather. It's the SA Ama Piano Awards. Got nothing to do with the airline. Uh this was the first annual instalment of, of these awards and uh tell us how this went.
1: Mm, I think it's very um commendable that they're actually doing this because we need to celebrate um um Ama Piano for literally just being the industry that has been doing the most mm. um in the last couple of years, um, so I, I do think that even the nominees and the people that won, um, it was very quite fair. I think even uh, even with the uh, the you know upcoming artists, the ones that have only been in the industry for a short space of time, actually winning because they have uh, been putting in a lot of work. Um, and I think that even uh, the woman representation was also big and was really nice, which is something that I. Um, Support a lot because I think that women have also um, been doing a lot um, in terms of actively contributing to the industry. We saw the likes of, um, you know, a a lot of, like, who has been really doing a lot in the industry. She's been doing so much, and she wasn't getting um, the recognition that she deserves. But the last weekend when she won um, so many awards, I think that for me was quite affirming. That um, if you do put in put in a lot of work, eventually someone will see you, and eventually you'll get what what is due to you. So I think that um, it was uh-huh. very nice to see all of them actually win, and all of them who have been putting in a lot of work, um, you know, getting the benefits of all the amount of work that they've put into the industry.
0: I do agree. I think it was about time they had these kinds of awards, as you say. Amapiano uh, arguably SA's biggest musical exports, especially that they represent the voices of the youth, I think that's the thing for me, while also creating space and opening up the industry, so to speak, for this uh, group called The Youth. So, uh, 50,000 rands, grand prize for Song of the Year Award, that's great. Who did that go to?
1: Um, so, Umsebenzi, and, which, and I think um, even with that, um, the cash prize, I was a bit like I was not, Happy about it because even for other people who won, they won about 10,000 rand.
0: But it's the first year, actually, though. <laughs> I do understand. I think it will get more and more as, as we go along. Why? why? I mean, 50,000 is a lot.
1: I just wanted them to go big, even for the, <laughs> From first, the first, year, first, I think first time. That, yeah, just to complement the amount of work that they've put in, just yeah. to make it, you know, the amount um, slightly higher than what they were given.
0: Yeah, I hear you. I mean, but also it started as an underdog genre, this genre. right? That's, I think, something we can celebrate, the fact that now it's become so big. And and also, what do you make of the rest of the continent taking to it positively as well? We've had African artists even featuring in some of the Amapiano songs. I think we can cite the example of uh, Vocalistic, who did a remix with Davido.
1: That's true. And I also think I like the fact that even Major League performing in European countries, Having their own balcony sessions and how people receive it that side as well. It really does show that it doesn't just, it started here, but it's also um, just crossing over to many different countries. Because even when you're watching it on the TL or on YouTube, you can see that even people from other countries really do love Ama Piano and everyone is dancing to Ama Piano. So it, it has now become like a huge genre. It's not just a South African based one, mm. but everyone in the world does appreciate Ama Piano.
0: There's a category there in the awards that was uh, called Friends of Amapiano. What does that mean?
1: Um, I think that one, I didn't, like, I don't quite understand it. I think for me, I just had my, a couple of ones that I really watched and the ones that I find quite interesting, the ones that I think that are important. I think Friends of Amapiano, it's just basically like, you know, just people who like the genre maybe or even people who are willing to, like, in collaborations with um, Amapiano artists and stuff like that. So I, I don't think that, like, I quite understand Oh, it I hear you. speak so much about so, it. So, yeah, so yeah. it's yeah.
0: artists who are not Amapiano artists but have featured Amapiano artists yeah. and, and they've taken to the genre as well. Okay, I hear you. Now, it makes sense now because I was thinking friends of Amapiano. What does that mean? They're friends of the artists who have won or what is it? Okay, yeah. so do we know when we're we going to be able
1: to watch them, The awards, are they going to be aired somewhere? Um, so they haven't, I don't think I've heard um, they've disclosed it because you just see okay. parts, different pieces of it from the, the artists themselves or even later on YouTube, but it's not yet, um, it has not yet gone live.
0: Okay. L- let's talk yeah. Aaron Mutualedi now. Uh, chaos at Bait Bridge after Zimbabwean's government introduced new tolls. Uh, what's, what's the latest crisis? I mean, the latest basically, because there's quite a few crises that have happened here.
1: Yeah, it's been a lot for, more specifically, truck drivers because they've been complaining that they have to wait at the border for 10 days without that thing, without also having access to, um, you know, uh, bathrooms, toilets, and um, also they get attacked as well. So I think it's just been a lot in terms of the the with the implementation of that new system, meaning that it actually takes longer for people to be able to allow to be allowed access to you know, the Zim border. And I do understand that even though they're saying that they're going to be able to get money from it or that financial incentive is far more important to them, but I think that on the basis that it takes so long for, you know, truck drivers to be able to access the country itself, it means that they're losing out on so many things. I mean, that means that it does affect them having So I think that at the moment, the implementation of 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 what has been implemented here um it, it really is affecting both south africa and also zimbabwe more so affecting Zim itself because now it means that um access to things is not as easier as it used to be before the introduction of this new toll that um other has actually um, implemented at the moment
0: so i mean they're blaming the congestion not on the actual implementation of this new freight terminal but they're blaming it on drivers not having adequate documents. Do you believe in that?
1: Um, I think not so much. I think that even if it's true to some extent, because Bay Bridge has also been known for uh, you know many people wanting to cross through to or come to the country without actually having correct documentation. And I do understand that to some extent they also have to account for that because it means that they're getting... free access to two different countries without having proper um, documentation. But I think that even the implementation of it to some extent, it's not um, helping with any way because it means that now people are just going to be stuck there at the border without necessarily providing um, a a, a space for that to happen. Because I think even when someone tries to renew their documentation at the moment they're always told that they don't have enough paper so it's it really is a struggle, even with accessing you know, proper documentation in the country itself based on what is currently happening.
0: It always seems, because well, we're saying this is, has been an ongoing issue at the Bade Bridge uh, border post, it always seems to never be the issue of the actual system at the toll that's blamed. Because even in January, just now, this year, uh, the issues were blamed, Minister mutsoledi was blaming, of Home Affairs, was blaming freight companies at some points for the congestion and then the heated frustrations that had resulted, four drivers allegedly dying. He said, no, it was one driver who died. When is it ever the, the problem of the actual system at the post?
1: Um, I think that that's the thing, that, like shifting accountability also, because I think that even when you can say that it's not our problem, it's the problem with the individuals, I think the system itself is not creating an enabling platform to ensure that everyone has those proper documentations that they want. It usually takes a long time for them to be able to access those things, but more so it also requires a lot of money that most people don't necessarily have. And, I mean, if it's also truck drivers for me, I think it was really, I couldn't really comprehend that part because I was thinking to myself, even when they do qualify for these jobs, isn't that a requirement? And how can we make it better for them? Because if someone is, you know, providing those things and moving um, goods and services from one um, state to another, then surely they should have those documents uh, readily available for them or mm. be allowed to easily access them. So I think even the point of accountability, we can't really shift it to the individuals. We have to also um, hold out to account. We also have to hold um, the system itself to account and try to see where the fault is in the system so that they can be able to make it better. So I think that yeah. they can't now not want to be held to account.
0: At some point, I mean, even allegations of fake COVID nineteen certificates being sold to foreign nationals returning to work, uh, to, walk, uh, to work, to works rather, in South Africa, uh, was also a, a blame. So I think maybe collaboration, as you said, uh, collab- collaboration between the freight association between, I guess, the health department with the COVID nineteen certificates. Uh, between obviously South Africa and Zimbabwe and uh, all the different stakeholders. Maybe that's what we need, collaboration.
1: Um, That is true because also with the COVID certificate to move around, they're also very expensive. So imagine if you stayed at the border for longer than three days, the certificate is not even valid anymore and you can't afford to to, uh, take because you also need to take the test and stuff like that. take a lot because even with vaccination itself not a lot of people they um, have been you know vaccinating and having a vaccine certificate does not suffice in so many countries you also have to do the ctr test so that's just it's a lot of admin if we're being honest and they're not Mm -hmm. necessarily um, ensuring that people follow those uh, restrictions that are in place and that um, the system itself is allows for things to be able to happen. Because if the system it's, it's blocking everything, then we need to blame it on the system because it's not creating an enabling platform for such things to happen.
0: Mm. Of course, hashtag Rosemary Ndlovu, we have to touch on this one. Uh, finally, former cop getting convicted for murder. So Judge Ramarumo Munana convicted uh, this former Tembisa police officer, Rosemary Ndlovu, of murder on the basis that she ordered six killings. She's also convicted of fraud, defeating the ends of justice, incitement to commit murder, and the attempted murder of her mom. What happens to the alleged hitman, is what I want to know, uh, that came from forward with this case, um, Njabulo Vincent Kunene?
1: Um, I think the hitman, because um, now they're trying to find out if that's the only hitman that she had, or there were many others. I think that now it means that um, he needs to be protected to some extent, but he also needs to account because he was actively behind the killing. Um, but I do think that the cop, uh, the ex-cop, just to say, um, there's a lot of charges that, that, that are in place, and I, I do think that um, the amount of punishment then ought to be quantifiable with the charges um, because now not only did she kill one person or attempted to kill one person But he's actually behind those killings and, you know, orchestrating and everything like this. I do think that now it's just a matter of making sure that the hands of Justice are able to hold her to account for everything that she has done. And the hitman, I do think that even though he has disclosed a lot of information, um, he also needs to account to some extent. He also needs to, to be punished for the killings that took place.
0: So the sentencing proceedings will be on the 5th of November and Lovo will be appearing in court again then. What do you anticipate that that result will be?
1: I think for such cases, they usually drag them. Um, and then after dragging them, then a the person isn't, the, the sentencing is not quantifiable to the amount of crimes that they've committed. So I, I do think that um, you should just expe- ex- expect the least. I'm not like quite optimistic because I know the justice system and usually the things that happen, but I think that the most sensible thing to do at this point is to make sure that the sentencing is is quantifiable with the amount of crime that the person has actually committed.
0: What are the lessons to be learned from this uh, this entire story, which I'm sure we'll be talking about years from now, on the perspective of police conduct and the upholding thereof? Because I think we've touched on quite a few things in terms of um, you know, insurance policies and how they, uh, you know, uh, whatever how they rolled out and all of that. We've talked about uh, what measures can be put in place to get those even stricter, but I don't think we've touched on the police conduct. What are the lessons there?
1: I think what we can take from this it's that like um, the people who are meant to be protecting the state, protecting the citizens. Um, and also making sure that they do live up to um, the principles of the laws that govern the country are the same people who are breaking the same laws, which means that in terms of conduct, uh, it does also um, you know, de- decrease to some extent the credibility of the people who hold such offices. So I do think that the best thing to do at the moment, just to set precedent and just to make sure that it's the... the other police officers do not necessarily support such things is to hold her to account because it means that she has failed to, um, you know, live up to those principles. And even when she was training, you know, going through training and everything to become, uh, you know, a police officer, you go through so many things and that includes you making sure that you fulfill your obligations and that you're able to follow a particular contact because you want to be seen in a particular way in society. So if you fail to do those things, then it means that even in terms of conduct, we can say that we're now starting to doubt the people who are meant to protect us because it's based on their conduct and based on the fact that they are now um, not necessarily living up to the principles that govern the state.
0: Mm. Let's leave it there for today. Thanks so much for joining us, Atlerang.
1: Thank you so much, Asanda.
0: Atlehang Mulev, a social commentator. We were discussing social media trends in the last 72 hours. Some of your messages then on Twitter. Uh, Edison Dube, you're saying Mondays in October 2021, reaching out to all those writing exams. Have fun. And then Za Mangubo just saying good morning, fam. Thanks uh, for your views.